Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in deep southern Illinois is a man who thinks he deserves an honorary degree from SIU Edwardsville, given all the time he spent on the grounds of Ralph Cordy Stadium this year. It's producer Mason. How's your week been, Mason? Pretty good. <laughs> Did you yeah. spend any time on the grounds of Ralph Cordy Stadium this oh. week? Oh, sure did. <laughs> yeah, getting in my honorary degree in gender studies yeah, or something. <laughs> it's, it's becoming a thing. <laughs> and joining us from his self-made studio cave somewhere in the wilds of West St. Louis County is a man who hit his 700th home run of his career last week in L.A. It's Sean Campbell. Congratulations, Sean. How are you feeling? Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to say I'm feeling pretty good considering I made history. I didn't even know I was playing in the Major League Baseballs. <laughs> well done, Mang. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Mang. <laughs> you know, Mang, I just, I hit the ball, the ball go far, and we score the points, and hopefully we get the World Series trophy this year, Mang. I'm about to hit this ball Nailed so it. enough far. Yeah. And enough of this. We're not here to talk about Albert Pujols' greatness, though we could go on for hours and hours. Uh, we're actually here to talk some St. Louis City news. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, get out. Interesting thing. Uh, let's start off with a little uh, discussion about what we found out this week about the circumstances around Centene Stadium. They had us going back to Ralph Cordy Stadium on the grounds of Southern Illinois Edwardsville this past weekend. Uh, for the city to play off game against North Texas. Uh, as we heard, there was some construction problems that caused some flooding into the stadium, got into the power plant that's set up for the stadium grounds, their own power plant. Come to find out uh, that it appears that uh, there was a conduit under 22nd Street where the city itself was doing some extension work to the street, I believe is what it said. And uh, there was a electrical conduit under the ground that had not been listed with all of the authorities to that check on underground lines. So apparently that would fall on the general contractor, I would imagine, of the whole site. You know, it's a huge, massive project, and it couldn't be. It could be that this wasn't necessarily uh, overlooked. They just hadn't gotten around yet in the timeline of reporting all these. We don't know. But that allowed rain and everything to flood into it, uh, destroying proprietary circuit breakers that now have to be manufactured again. So we're not sure when uh, the stadium will open for the first time. Uh, there's no reason to believe at this point that the, you know, the opening of the MLS season is in danger. That's still a long way away. But... Uh, chance for the city two games to be played there seem to be slipping away have they determined uh where the next game will be it's out ralph cordy it's out ralph cordy figured on that and as we've mentioned with centene stadium uh that brings up city two in the playoffs they played this past weekend hosting north texas for the third time well hosting them for the second time playing them for the third time this year uh, the rubber match of a three-game set, I guess one would say, <laughs> since we mentioned baseball earlier in this podcast. In and, a sense, you could say it was yeah. a rubber match. <laughs> and uh, I think the score was pretty similar to the last time that North Texas journeyed into uh, uh, the woods of uh, southeastern Illinois. Uh, City 2 won their playoff game, and it was exciting, folks. Oh, yeah. Mason and I were there for this. Uh, we were there. We were there for... We were there. We were there. We were there. <laughs> we were there. Uh, tailgate. Where were the game. you when they won the playoff game against North Texas? Uh, the afterglow in the parking lot after the game. We were there for all of that. And it's we're recording this now on Monday instead of our usual Tuesday, thanks to my job. Uh, so I'm a tired little puppy today after being up so early after a late night. But it was all good. As it was a very good game, and City 2 really had the upper hand almost the entirety of the game. Oh, yeah. Um, I I knew that we were bossing the game in the first half, but I didn't realize just how bad it was for North Texas until I, we got back. And I was looking at um, looking at uh, the stats from uh, like a recap. We they, they didn't give up a shot in the first half. <laughs> no, and their big scorer, Kamungo, never got a shot on goal. 
Mm-hmm. And I spent the whole game uh, frightful of that. Uh, the first half, St. Louis uh, City 2 was uh, in the attack on basically our end of the field, where we were in the supporters section. Uh, and the preferred MLS Next Pro team uh, was there a lot. Yeah. We were kind of spoiled in that way. But really, it was also a very frustrating half because they never got a goal. It went nil-nil at halftime. Uh, lots of chances just never came to fruition. Uh, very strong defense on both sides, both teams. Yeah. Uh, a little bit sloppy. Sometimes passes didn't come off. But again, that also has to do with the way the play of the other team. North Texas is a quality team. Mm-hmm. And while City 2 had the upper hand, uh, North we didn't Texas, roll. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't roll through it. Uh who of our uh, MLS uh, international signees started? I know Ostrak did. Ustrak and Jensen started. And Isak Jensen. Uh, honestly, I was kind of keeping track of young uh, Isak. Uh, didn't really impact the game. Had a couple of tough touches. Uh, saw him chasing balls down in the corner a lot instead of being in front. I haven't, of course, without a replay on MLS Next Pro, uh haven't really had a chance to break it down. It's just from what I saw from the stands while I was, you know... Hooting uh, and hollering and screaming. Hooting and, and hollering <laughs> and screaming and distracted by everything going on. It was a big, big crowd uh, oh, there. Yeah. Uh, they just kept filing in. Seats were actually being hard to come by, uh, no matter where you were, it seemed, throughout the stadium. Uh, and long lines in the restrooms, which we hadn't seen there before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was a sign of the big crowd and a lot of excitement. Very loud, very loud crowd as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, teams seem to have been fired up by that support. Sometimes early on in the game, seem they might have been a little too fired up by it. Yeah. A little overexcited. And uh, it's a little worried that they'd be too excited and North Texas would get more excited by playing in front of a big crowd. And uh, perhaps that had something to do with the way the first half went. So. Uh, the longer and longer it went scoreless and St. Louis City 2 was not taking a, advantage of their many chances, the more I got worried that this is going to be one of those games yeah, where you dominate, 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 and you don't take advantage of it. You make and one mistake and it goes One mistake or a funny bounce on transition and next thing you know, you're down and it's an uphill battle in a nervy playoff game. Did not want to see that. Yeah, Luckily, that's not what happened. <laughs> no. Uh, the second half, were you going to say something, Sean? Yeah, I was going to say, at least we finally bucked the norm of, you know, letting up that early fluky goal and having to fight back constantly for the entire game. I'm, I'm glad that that is not continuing in the playoffs. Because yeah, that not is even not a... something you want to be doing in a playoff game. No. There wasn't even the scare of that early on. It mm. was pretty tight at the very beginning and... Uh, all the way through, uh, from what I recall. Uh, in the second half, uh, it's a bit more of the back-and-forth play, but still largely in City 2's hands. I think North Texas improved upon their possession in the second half a little. Yeah. Not, but really not surprising. Uh, and then in the uh, 51st, we got a corner from Akeel Watts. And uh, Keel Watts seemed to take all of these uh, corners, especially from the near side from where we were. Yeah. Did you catch any of that? Make a note of that, Mason? Well, I just, I noticed when I was looking through, like, the game feed, or I think I was watching the highlights, maybe, and um, and I, I was just like, man, Akil Watts has been, like, the service for every great chance we've had on a corner, it seems, especially lately. <laughs> it's like, he's been the best service under the box from the corner. He'd been very, very good. That's why he takes them. Yeah. One would hope. Yeah. Hope they weren't just like drawing straws or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, uh, so I've seen teams where it seems like that's how they do it. Yeah. But um, no, uh, so Akil Watts takes this corner and it ends up in the cement mixer in the box. Two or three really good shots get stopped. Um, finally, Max Schneider, I really thought that this was a goal. We all started cheering. And then it it just it doesn't go in. And I'm like, how does that not go in? And then I'm watching the highlights again. I'm like, I, I hardly understand more how this did not go in. Yeah, it was all boingy, boingy, boingy right in the goal mouth. Yeah. Uh, some nice uh, goal line defense by uh, outfield players for North Texas. Uh, little shots that a little too close to somebody. Just banging around. A lot of uh, 
like you said, it was in the mixer. There was a lot of bodies in the way. It really was like, this has to go in. It, yeah. And it didn't. You saw it, it go just, to, just, to just the side. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was frustrating. And that just even made things nervier, at least for this observer. Uh, starting to really get nervous going, uh, kept going, I don't like how this is going. I don't like how this is going. Uh, but there finally was a breakthrough, break, breakthrough, breakthrough, <laughs> uh, breakthrough for uh, City 2. Uh, they opened the scoring in, uh, all the way until the 73rd minute off what looked to be a finished chance, but uh, got a nice pullback across the box. Ostrak, good timing, coming in late into the box. He uh, hooks up with it, sprints in, and boosts a nice uh, laser shot on that. Just a pretty well-made goal, the way that it's set up. Mm-hmm. Knocked it in, uh, and uh, eventually, not to spoil it for everyone that's uh, been waiting for us to tell you what happened, <laughs> uh, uh, what proved to be the game winner. Yeah, but yeah, that on that one, it looked like that was uh, had another like good like two shots or so that got stopped, and I'm like, okay, and now they're going to clear it, and they're going to be there's going to be a transition play here, and instead, Ustrak comes sprinting in on that late run and just hammers it home. Yeah, and something that we'd seen, uh, especially at the tail end of the uh, long road trip they had, uh, in this game, the defense was stout in the second half as North Texas was pushing. They just didn't generate much in the way of decent chances, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, you get nervous and you see the buildup. There was a couple of times they got it into good positions, but nothing came of it. And uh, then finally could breathe a little easier. How late was it that that... uh, Last goal came. Um, well, we got the last goal in stoppage. <laughs> uh, wait until all the way to like 90 plus three to finally bury a dagger. Um, but uh, we're in the box again, generating pressure. And uh, here comes Juan Kazane with uh, more heroics. Um, really takes a massively powerful shot directly into the hand of a, uh, a North Texas player. And ref points to the spot. Um and uh, Celio Pompeu takes this PK and top shelves it, bang, bangs it home, and that's that's game. We're done there. Celebrations. I believe yeah. the term. I believe the term that uh, I used as I was screaming at my computer watching this game alone in the Discord was uh, "howitzer." I believe is the term I was using. <laughs> um, absolutely, just it was earmarked for the top corner from the moment he it left his foot you you knew it the moment he struck it mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful a little bit unfortunate for the north texas player as he was turning and probably protecting himself but as he turned to uh, block the shot and not you know get hit in the head or worse uh perhaps in the undercarriage uh he let his hands get away from his body struck his hands obvious penalty and that sealed the deal and there was much rejoicing. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it was now time for revelry. And the whatnot, too. Mm-hmm. Can't forget the whatnot. I definitely think a large part of this win, uh, yeah, it's it's the goals, it's the offense being generated, but uh, going back to what I saw on the field, a lot of it had to do with the midfield just absolutely bossing the game left and right. Uh, I've harped on this all year that, you know, we've been really good at, at shutting down chances, uh, cutting the... Cutting the, the counter counterattack game down at the ankles as soon as it, it gets started um nullifying that and then also the first that you know that the goal from Ostrak came because we had a late run on a dangerous chance from the midfield coming in to get that late strike um having that second wave of attack is just as important as getting that good service in uh but all in all props to the midfield this year because they've really been a driving force of this high press Good to see, and I can't wait to see more of it next year once the first team starts. Uh, I hope they can keep up the high energy, and, and really the call call sign of the high press is shutting down the midfield and running the game from there. That's one reason why so much of the game was uh, with the uh, City 2 attacking. Mm-hmm. North Texas couldn't get past the midfield. Yeah. Uh, it happened over and over. they do a clearance, and there was somebody in the way of the pass, and it's right back to the attack again. Yeah. Um, Keeping the pressure on. Uh, and it's been a hallmark of City to the entire season. Yeah. They've had a little bit of trouble with the uh, injury problems and suspensions to their main strikers in Josh Dolling. 
which thank you, hat tip to Flyover Footy for doing the research and finding out that that is his preferred pronunciation of his name. Yeah. Who knew? And, Much crow to eat uh, yeah. because we all thought it was doling. <laughs> Jao Klaus, which I think is his preferred uh, the pronunciation of his name. He's also, he's out with injury. Dolling's been serving that three-game suspension for that uh, agricultural tackle that he did. Who was that against? Houston or Tacoma? Uh, that was Houston. That was Houston, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, you know, we've seen a little trouble with them getting the ball in the net, even though the attacking's there. Uh, been a little different than the rest of the season, but the whole thing of the season is they've been very good at stopping opponents' goals. One of the very, very, very best in MLS next pro at that. And, uh, it really showed here. They just shut down a, a pretty good North Texas team with an excellent young striker in Kamunga mm. who just didn't have an impact on the game at all. Yeah. He was completely taken out. So where do we go from here, Mason? Well, we are heading back to Edwardsville on um on Sunday the 2nd of October. Uh this is a pretty late kickoff at 7:30 p.m. Ugh. Um and then earlier that day um we are going to have uh we're going to have the Columbus and Toronto FC game for the East. So if all goes to plan, <laughs> that will be who we will be facing. Why in the world are they giving us a 7:30 game on a Sunday night? It's like they don't want people to come to the games. <laughs> Scheduling done with malicious intent. It's because they know that our fans will show up, show out, be loud, and intimidating. That all, all of this home field advantage, it all comes down to you know the fans being present, being loud, and imposing their will upon the game as best they can by being loud and chanting and screaming and... So it, just remember, as ev every part of this win, you are a part of it by being there and by cheering on your team. Do not give up. Keep showing up. Keep making noise. Even if it means you have to show up at 730. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And get home later, too. You know, if they keep pushing these back any further, this old man will be phoning in next week's show from laying in bed after he gets <laughs> off work. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, Shout out to uh, everyone came out to the tailgate as well, uh, hosted by the St. Luligans. Also had the uh, SLC Punks uh, were there. We had Fleur de Nuis, uh, fine group, uh, No Nap City, uh, well-represented group all the way around. The Thieves were there. Uh, the the St. Luligans tailgate was in fine fettle, especially after the game. Oh, yes. They really had the parking lot uh, uh, rolling in what I'll call the afterglow. Uh, so we hope to see everybody there cause, uh, we're planning on being there no matter how much it hurts, uh, <laughs> with the late night, uh, and, uh, we'll be back again and maybe Mason will get enough credit hours for going to soccer games. He can get that honorary degree, <laughs> but don't hold your breath, Mason. It makes you turn blue. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> Let's we'll call you Papa Smurf then. <laughs> I, I think like I think if, <laughs> if anyone's going to turn blue, it's going to be me because, you know, it's October next month, which means there's another sport that is also blue that uh, my, my blood kind of runs that color. So, right. Yeah, that three seasons already started and I have not really been paying much attention to it, honestly. Well, they've to be before we get off of it, you know, we only they've only played one game, but they did win. Yeah, it's a good game. But that's for a different podcast. That is. Anyway, so this podcast, we're talking about soccer. Um, and we are playing Tacoma, who uh, came down from being down 2-0 against Dynamo Dose to level it pretty late in the second half, force extra time, scoreless extra time, went to PKs. Yeah. The way Houston... Uh folded really wish they'd have held on <laughs> yeah yeah because i was looking at him like man i don't want to play either of these teams but i really i think i want to play tacoma less yeah luckily there's an international break so the sounders aren't completely out of the playoffs yet so maybe nick leva and some of their better you know seasoned mls veterans that uh, sometimes play for the defiance won't be there for the playoff game mm -hmm. uh got my fingers crossed on that. That would be a that nice would break. Yeah. yeah. Don't necessarily need it, but it make things a little bit, you know, better. Yeah. 
Although we did step up to MLS level competition when we played basically what was it the the actual Colorado Rapids and then kicked Pretty their butts. Pretty much. Almost. <laughs> I played them fair and square in the first half, but better team to be quite honest. Now how into the match they were is another question. Yeah, yeah. Some of them were. Keegan Rosenberry was particularly a monster in that one. Uh, Bubakar, who hadn't had a good season for Colorado, he looked like he didn't want to be there at all. Uh, but that'll be different come playoff time, especially especially if the young guys from Seattle get sent down for this instead of staying, staying with Seattle for what proves to be uh, probably fruitless, desperate, clawing uh, at the uh, at the table, trying to climb up it like a cat on a Christmas tree. <laughs> but uh, there was more action uh, below the level of City 2 on the pyramid of the club. Mm-hmm. And to give us a rundown, here's producer Mason. Yeah, we've got uh, Academy recaps. Uh, on the 24th, all of the MLS Next age groups, um, they played against uh, Midwest United. And really rolled them. Uh, the U15s win 4-1. U17s win 5-1. This one really stood out. The U16s absolutely laid it down on him 9-0. That was nasty. It's a that nasty was niner. That's, that's, niner nil, that's right? one of those games yeah. where you might be rethinking uh, how many of these guys should actually be in our academy. <laughs> And also, if you're Midwest United, like, I just want to go home. <laughs> I do not want to play soccer anymore. Ooh, that makes I for hate a long here. bus ride. <laughs> yeah. Were they at home for these? Um, I think so. I think they were, but I don't recall. No, have been in front of me on my notes, which is, you know, which happens <laughs> quite often, yeah. to be quite honest. And the same par for the course on this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, on the 25th, we had two more games. Uh, U-17s won 4-2. to two against Sporting Kansas City, and the U-15s drew 1-1. Oh, no U-16s? No U-16s. They got they an off They met day. their quota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have enough goals for the next day. They used them <laughs> they all sco- up. No, they scored enough goals. They scored enough goals that they didn't have to play the next game. Yeah. They were given <laughs> they a bye quota. They, they got the day off for good behavior. Yeah. Um, and then finally, over in the UPSL, the U-21s have kind of righted the ship. Uh from the rocky start to their season and have won both of their last two games. They went 2-1 against pre-college DA and 5-1 against the Nashville Knights FC, bringing their record even to 2 and 2. Which isn't bad considering they were thrown together. Mm-hmm. It seemed like uh at least from the outside looking in, it seemed like this team was thrown together at a pretty last minute to get this going and to see them bounce back and even out their records pretty nice. Yeah. Anything else you guys got to... Oh, well, there was a couple of things. Uh, Flyover Footy and Philip Grooms had a uh, nice interview we listened to on the way to the game on uh, Sunday. Uh, interviewed uh, MLS Next Pro President Charles Alchek. Uh, some nice things. You could listen to that on your podcast of choice. One thing that stood out in that was that uh, uh, President Alchek did uh, mention that uh, something we did not know in advance that uh, all the MLS Next Pro games will be on the Apple streaming service when that comes into play for MLS next season. Uh, Which this is very different from what we originally heard at the announcement, which was it was going to be select MLS Next Pro games. Uh, This is now all of them, which hopefully will coincide with an increase in production quality. (laughs) And much credit for Phil to asking this serious question about is there going to be an improvement in the... production qualities didn't get a real commitment on that specific issue uh president Alchak did say that uh they're looking to improve everything and some things in the first season were not as good as they should have been uh no they were not they were not does uh does this mean we're getting var and next pro i really doubt we're getting var yeah Ah, uh, boo! We might get. I mean, we might at already least play get, in MLS stadiums. We might at least be able to watch the games back, but I doubt we're getting VAR. Uh, part of the the show was a discussion about uh, the cost of MLS Pro versus USL. Uh, stadium requirements are a lot less. That does not lead to the implementation of VAR, as you need to have you know 
VAR with two cameras in the stadium, an AI, yeah, and two cameras, uh, is that's not gonna fly. <laughs> uh, yeah, they might as well not have it. Yeah, no, because every single replay review would come back basically inconclusive. And uh, one thing he also alluded to was a question of how this is really, while they're geared toward development, it's not necessarily a development league. Uh, that kind of struck me, too. He was talking about how this is a real league, uh, and uh, there's you know limits on how many young players play, uh, professionals. It's really to set things up as a farm system, basically, yeah. uh, for MLS clubs. And uh, quite a few did. And what do you say? 21 players got signed MLS contracts out of the entirety of MLS Next Pro during the season? Something like that, I think, yeah. yeah. So um, that's that's probably really what they're looking for, is, is cheap options to fill out rosters. And MLS owners want that. Yeah. Especially um, at the handful that control everything. Yeah. But yeah, I think like on like that discussion of development, it's like, you know, development is an obvious like part of the league, but they are like trying to form a real competitive pro league here first and foremost. So that was, well, yeah, we do have to remember, we do have to remember that, you know, there are going to be independent teams in this league. We already see that with Rhinos up in, in Rochester. Um, they're planning on, in, in, you know, basically is like another, uh, a side along league almost for for those non MLS affiliated clubs to USL and there's but, a uh, yeah and a lot of teams coming in next year both MLS clubs and more independents more independents mm-hmm. which is cool and St Louis City's got a real chance down to the final four uh to win MLS Next Pro in their inaugural season next year. Nashville and Austin will start their own developmental clubs, uh, and they'll be the newbies on the block, and we're the grizzled veterans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hopefully boasting a lot of silverware, and at least a uh, computer printout of uh, Western Conference regular season champions that we can hang and fly. <laughs> hey, hey, anything that we come up with, I guarantee you it's going to be better than that the, the, the tiny piece of... Like it, it may as well just be a pin that they pin on every seat in in the stadium. That'd be better than the printer paper they have in New York. I do now think it would be very funny if we just like got into Word and just typed in Western Conference Champions in all caps in Times New Roman, printed it out, and hung it on from where they hang the rest of the banners. <laughs> Courier, mono we space. Need to. <laughs> That, that that seems very funny to me, but I think if we did that, a lot of people would be very insulted, <laughs> and quite rightly. No, it'd be better to be hand-painted like a TIFO on an old sheet and hang that in the stadium. We don't even have to hang it. We can just take a bed sheet, you know, paint the Western Conference champs on there, and then literally just carry it to every game and hold it up before every game just just one of us. Put it know? on a big pole, yeah, like an aluminum flag. pole, and wave it like a flag. <laughs> our banner's still better than yours <laughs> <laughs> it's at least bigger <laughs> <laughs> any any other uh talk or anything you want to bring up uh regarding uh you know preferred mls uh franchise st louis city sc only got to do it two more times yeah just two more times well, that does it for uh, talking about uh, St. Louis City SC, City 2, and everything around the franchise. And now it's uh, time for us to take our weekly look at things that are going on in MLS. And to do that is Sean Campbell. All right, yeah, we got Leagues Cup action. Let's start off with a little bit of what is this actual competition. It's a fairly new one. Uh, this just started in 2019, actually. It's a tournament specifically between MLS and Liga Amekis. It was started as an actual competition, but now it's just right now it's just exhibition games. Uh, but there is word that for the 2024 CONCACAF Champions League, it's going to be used as a qualifying tournament, the winner of which gets a spot in the round of 16. Um, the 2023 version will have a revamped full tournament with all league. Uh, MLS and Liga MX sides participating. Um, I believe there's only going to be three berths total from that tourney up for grabs. That should be the fi- two finalists and the third place team. And St. Louis City SC will get to be a part of that first uh, full-on tournament with uh, Liga MX teams. Yeah, which that'll be fun. It's gonna, 
Oh, yeah. It could be very exciting to see how we just get thrown into the fire on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would assume that this means it that it's also going to be for teams that haven't already qualified. Although I could be wrong. It could be just all teams. Um, and I would assume that if a team gets into a qualifying spot that's already qualified, they give it to the next available squad down the list. Um, so, like, say someone that won the tournament has already qualified by winning another tournament, then the second place team and then also the two teams in the bronze medal game would would get the spots. Um, but either way, it just sounds to me, is is it just me or is qualifying for the CONCACAF Champions League just getting more and more conv- convoluted every single year? Just me? Okay, cool. Got it. No, what they're doing when they laid this all out, they explained it. But what if you really boil it down to its essence? They're just copying UEFA Champions League and handing out more and more spots in the tournament to the richest, most uh, influential leagues in the uh, confederation, which is uh, UEFA is doing it more to appease rich clubs. Here it's appeasing Liga Mekis and MLS with more teams and more chances to win. It will eventually just be that uh, CCL just becomes the League's Cup 2, and it's just Liga Mekis and MLS. Well, kind of the way the six, round of 16 is with all of the, you know, there's so many teams from Liga Mekis and MLS that can qualify. Uh, it's going to be so heavily loaded that, yeah, you get down to the final eight, and it's going to look very much like just the League's Cup all over again is the way it's going. The tournament's so nice, we played it twice. <laughs> yeah, uh, effectively. But, uh, I mean, I, I see this as, you know, it, it, they're expanding the, the, the Champions League, and in giving more spots to the richer leagues, they're also giving spots to the lesser-served leagues that don't really get a chance to play in the League's Cup or in these other big tournaments because, you know, they don't have quite have the money. But I like to, I like to see just more spots in general. We'll see how it goes. I would love to see more spots for Canadian teams because right now there's just the one spot. But that's I think they here nor there. I think they are picking up a couple more. Um, like their Premier League, I think, is going to get a spot uh, in that. And plus, so many MLS clubs that one of the Canadian clubs got a chance to pick that up through MLS as well. But it also gives a chance for the vastly underserved, poorer clubs within Liga Emekis as well. Uh, and that's part of the draw of the League's Cup is that some of these lesser teams, it's so heavy, top-heavy there, uh, that uh, other lesser teams will get a chance to shine and maybe grab some of those uh, uh, American greenbacks coming back from all the fans of uh, Liga Mekis in the States. Oh, absolutely. Um, speaking of teams getting a chance to, to show their colors against MLS teams, we got some results from this last round of exhibition games. Um, found it kind of hard to find results unless, you know, you're checking MLS.com, sorry, MLSsoccer.com. Don't want to be given <laughs> ear service to that real estate company. Um, yeah, you will not find soccer scores on MLS.com. You will only <laughs> find houses. But yes, we have some results. Um, and uh, unless you religiously check MLS soccer, like I do, uh, it, you know, it, was, it may have been hard to find results or even the fact that these matches were being played. But uh, starting off, we have Cincinnati playing Chivas, and they won 3-1. to Cincy looked really good in this game. I actually got a chance to watch this one. It was surprisingly chippy from both sides. Chivas really got in there with some, uh, uh, we'll say, enthusiastic tackles. We'll, we'll go with that <laughs> word. But 3-1 from Cincy. Brandon Vasquez gets on the score sheet. And I mean, I just see this as a as a great showing from an MLS club, and Chivas actually put on a good a good performance regardless of the loss. And chalk up another win for Cincy. <laughs> this season's oh, yeah. been a real change of fortunes for them. Cincinnati had oh, something to play for tables. in this game, and Chivas really didn't. So yeah. you know, take it with a grain of salt. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the next game we've got is Nashville SC going 3-3 against Club America and ended up winning 4-2 on PKs. Uh, Nashville did the Nashville thing and they ended up blowing a lead twice in the same game. Managed to pull it off in PKs and I'm sure that all all the Nashville fans really hoped that all the games went to PKs if they tied like they do in Next Pro because they've done a lot of that lately. 
But again, another another good game uh, from two Nashville very good clubs. Blow, Nashville would blow the doors off the MLS table if all the games went to PKs. Oh, I I don't doubt that. I 100% support that. And, and sadly, this isn't the NHL where, you know, there can be no ties. <laughs> no, gladly it's not the NHL yeah. where there can be no ties. Although we were, uh, <laughs> we when we were listening to that interview with Aljack, we also made this joke because uh, um, he said that he thought that the shootout was a, a an exciting way to end the game, on which I do not agree. But we were like, let's go back to Golden Goal. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'm, I mean, it's exciting if you know you don't have a pre-existing heart condition where you might end up dying because you have a heart attack because you don't know if your team's <laughs> gonna win or lose, and you don't have the safety net of okay, we tied. <laughs> No, like me. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, I mean, I wasn't things. gonna directly call you out on that, but <laughs> if a spade's a spade, <laughs> derogatorily heart condition. Yeah, you keep this up, I'll hit you with a spade. <laughs> Please, I welcome it. Our next oh, game on the docket. <laughs> Sean has a stepping on rakes fetish. <laughs> Okay, enough with Nothing the slander. Nothing says love like a shovel upside the head. <laughs> are you gonna, are you really gonna gonna slander me as I wear my Luligans jersey as we record this podcast? <laughs> no, we're not talking to the jersey. <laughs> rude, incredibly rude. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on, our next game on the docket. We've got RSL dropping dropping the game two to one to Atlas, and that's pretty much expected i expected more of a blowout considering how atlas have been playing they won both the apertura and closura last season being dubbed the campeone de campeones without having to play a match uh, and i honestly expected more goals from them and less from rsl but we the one have shining to talk moment, about this rsl goal, the though. one shining moment of rsl though aaron herrera if you haven't seen this goal you need to go look it up right now pause the pause, pause the podcast and come back. All right, yeah, welcome we'll back. Now you. that you've seen the goal, holy <laughs> shit, was this goal nuts. 70-plus yards out, sees the keeper off the line and just says, ah, screw it, I'm going to go for it. And, oh, my goodness, beautiful shot. I think he I think he put that in from Provo. <laughs> yeah. And, and it wasn't a big looping thing either. He made the shot. Uh, yeah, it was a full-on shot from 70 yards and had the keeper beat, which why would the why wouldn't the keeper be out there? He was 70 yards away. Yeah. This right? shot was taken from RSL's half. <laughs> yeah, it was from way downtown. Bang. And I yeah. think I think he made it without the without it bouncing either. It just went right yeah, no, in it was, his net. He swished it. <laughs> Absolutely glorious strike. But that's really about the only good sign from RSL in this game. It is like the best thing I've ever seen, though. <laughs> Speaking of outstanding performances, we have the Union and Pachuca. They played a match in Philadelphia, and the Union absolutely show off and flex their muscles by not even bringing a full bench. They only brought three subs to this game and still win one nothing. Like, <laughs> that's if that's mean. not a show of dominance, I don't know what is. That's not Poor that's, Pachuca. That's very Philly because that's very not nice. Yeah, <laughs> they're not nice. They're just they're just kind. Okay, there's a big <laughs> difference. I wouldn't even say that about Philly. <laughs> Hell, they're not even polite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would describe Philadelphia as one of the most belligerent cities I'm aware of. <laughs> Especially when it comes to gritty, they will throw down for gritty. <laughs> they tore down a light post when their team won. <laughs> They booed Santa Claus. They beat up the hitchhiking robot, which, in their defense, the robot deserved it. They booed Mike Schmidt's kid. I love Philly. I have such a spiritual connection to that place. <laughs> well, enough, enough, enough dunking on the dupe. Um, the Fire played Leon, and they won. They drew that game one-one, but ended up winning three-one in penalties. Good show from the Fire. Glad that they could get a win for once. That's always nice to see. Um, FC Dallas put in, uh, 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 uh they, they played a game and lost <laughs> three, nothing to Tigres. 
They get and an I just have to mark. wonder how how do you how do you be FC Dallas with arguably the most dominant attacking trio in the league at the moment and lose three nothing? I just I don't understand because they're playing. First of all, they're playing Tigres. Yeah, and second of all, uh, how much they really put in this friendly when they're really pushing up the table here at the very very death end of the MLS season. Uh, not surprising. I mean, that's that's fair. Also, aren't they missing a couple guys to the to the you know international window right now? Would they have played him in this friendly anyway? Yeah, I would not. Have. I wouldn't have. Well, if it was still an international window and those and those guys didn't get the call up, I think I think you would be not smart to get you know not give them uh, at least maybe some give sort them minutes. But yeah. Right. 15 minutes we're using up our uh, subs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All in all, though, it was a pretty good showing from both leagues. MLS goes four and two in this round of the showcase. Uh, I think this really bodes well for the league. Granted, they're they're friendlies and friendlies are just that friendlies. Scores don't really matter too, too much. But what does matter is the end result play on the pitch. I think a lot of these teams really came to play, even if it was just a like a tune up game or you know, a friendly, uh, I think the score lines were pretty, you know, they don't really mean much, but at the same time, the fact that we got some wins is very good for sure. And I, I, I like the way that I like where the league is at the moment, as far as competitiveness with MXEs across the board, not just with their top couple teams in the champions league. Mm-hmm. And well, enough about guys, that. Cause nobody, cares. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you guys don't have anything else to say, we can get on down to the, the last couple bits I have about the MLS, and we have two lists to talk about. That's right. We get into our favorite segment, talking about guys. Love um, talking about guys. <laughs> we've got young guys this time, not old guys. Young guys. Oh, time. no. We have both. We have both. Everybody's favorite. Everyone's represented here. We've got the 22 under 22 list, and then we have the five best over 35 as well. Um. I'll go ahead and do the over 35 first because there's only five of them. And I mean, we all know exactly what to expect from these guys. But uh, the top five under 30, over 35 in this league right now are number five, Stefan Fry. We all expected to see that. Uh, Dax McCarty. I didn't know he was 35 years old, but he's still putting up a great season. Uh, Diego Chara. We expected to see at least one of these guys, one of those brothers there. Diego Chara will be on this. D- Diego Chara and Kai Kamara will be on this list 10 years from now. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Those two just seem to be aging like fine wine, honestly. They just continue to be they continue to be mainstays at their club and put up numbers and actively put in great performances game in and game out. Um so yeah, Kai Kamara at 2, but personally I think the only person that deserves number 1 at this li- on this list is number 1, and that's Alejandro Bedoya, who's been absolutely integral to everything that the Philadelphia Union are putting up this season, and he's putting up good offensive numbers. He's getting better as he gets older, and I I just I don't know where this came from, honestly. I knew he was a really good player when he was still getting US men's national team call-ups, but damn, dude. <laughs> I wouldn't only give him the best uh, number one of the over 35s. I go as far as say he might be the most underrated player in MLS. Possible. Oh, I would absolutely have to agree with you on there on that one. He is, again, putting up quietly, putting up a very good season. Uh, may not be blowing the doors off of anybody, but he is, again, very important to that midfield and to that attacking attacking side of Philadelphia Union. And, uh, you know, another thing that's going to lead into the next part of this uh, segment is uh, as a DP, which he's also greatly underrated as, he provides leadership to a very young team. And we're about to see the proof of that. Yeah. Time to get into another list of uh, fantastic soccer players who don't remember 9-11. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Um. So we've got the 22 under 22, and just just to give a brief overview of the list, 14 of these 22 players are direct from MLS Next Academies. Um, the average age of players on this list is just under ni- uh, just under 20 at 19.86. I don't know how you get 0.86 years, but okay. Um, four players are young are 18 or younger, and those four are Gaga Slonina, Cade Cowell, 
Jaquiel Marshall Rudy and Obed Vargas. Three of those K-Cal names we know very well. Is, is still that young? He's 18. He is 18. Look at the body on that 18-year-old. Don't say he that. Just... <laughs> Mike, that's the kind of thing that gets us put on a list. We I mean, talked look about at him. this. Do not, in fact, look at the body on this 18-year-old. <laughs> yeah, he is, is built He's built like a bodybuilder, and he's only 18. Unbelievable. No wonder he's going to be in Europe very soon, even if he doesn't start for his t- club. It's surprising that he doesn't. He's played very well. Um, some other little factoids. There are three players on this list from the Union and two players each from FC Dallas, LA Galaxy, New York City and Toronto FC. Um, and just so you know, the age cutoff just to make us all feel a little older is everybody on this list has to be born on or after October 10th, 2000. That's right. We're seeing an entire generation of players that are showing up, showing out and absolutely doing great things on the pitch that were born in the new millennium. Exciting, but also makes my back hurt and my knees feel like I need to sit down even more than I already am. And uh, three of these players are from the Philadelphia Union. Not surprising. Uh, One thing about the list, uh, MLSsoccer.com puts this out. Uh, They all vote on it, all the writers. Uh, But uh, given the way that uh, St. Louis City SC is built, uh, this is something I think in the future... uh, City fans are going to be really looking forward to coming out because Lutz really wants it to be young and hungry and play hard. And he's out there scouring uh, the international circles and everywhere to try to find these players to fit in the system and set them up for success. So it it could be that uh, there'll be a lot of City players on this squad the next time uh, this list rolls around. I very much look forward to it. Well, without much more ado, let's go ahead and dive on into the list, and we'll start at the top this time. Uh, Topping the list at number one, under 22, is Jesus Ferreira. Surprise, surprise. We all know how good he is. We've talked about him a bunch. Um, He's the second player in a row from FC Dallas to win this this award, effectively. Uh, We had Pepe last year, but very much deserved. Second place goes to Tiago Almada in Atlanta. He was a record signing for the league and is near the top of the team in most of the important offensive stats. He's currently leading in combined goals and assists. Uh, Talos Magno is number three uh, for NYCFC. He's been in a slight slump lately, but he's still young and has a lot of upward potential. And a lot of that slump has to do with their replacement coach, Nick Cushing, playing him as a false nine, and he doesn't seem to know what he's doing out there when he was so successful as a winger. And they want him to be an upfront striker, but they're playing him as false nine. He's never done it, and it shows. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that just the club NYCFC is having a bit of a slump. <laughs> I think we're getting past slump for them. I think it's <laughs> full-on downturn at this point. I mean, that's what happens when you lose, effectively, your talisman in when they lost Tati Castellanos. But, I mean, also losing your coach definitely doesn't help either. And he's a good coach. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Next on the list, we've got Gaga Slonina. We all know about him and his big boy move to the Blue London Club, whose name I will refuse to say. And he won't play there as he gets shipped around all over Europe for the next five, six years. Well, at least he won't be the only U.S. men's national team player on on that team that is, you know, not playing for the team. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have someone to commiserate with with Pulisic. Uh, number five on the list, we've got Julian Araujo for the Galaxy, already a two-time All-Star at just 21 years old and is pro- more than likely going to Qatar with El Tree and could see some real minutes in, in the World Cup. Very exciting to see that from a young player. Uh, number six, we have John Tolkien at Red Bulls New York. He's an absolute mainstay in their high-press backline. He could really make a jump a la... George Bellows, Sam Vines, or Kevin Paredes, and we could definitely see his name in Burhalter's list very soon. There is words coming out that John Tolkien might bypass all the ones you mentioned. That he might be, he's just that kind of mentality. Uh, they expect him to be off to Europe soon and uh, to really do well over there. So keep an eye on John Tolkien. And especially now that he got rid of the uh, Flock of Seagulls haircut. 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes just having the wrong haircut really, really uh, can deter your playing. I've I've seen it happen before where guys like go, okay, I got to get a big showy haircut now that I'm in the big leagues, and then next thing you know, tanked. <laughs> but enough on that. That's another. That's another podcast. Uh, number seven, we've got Alan Velasco at FC Dallas. And the only reason we don't talk about him more on this show when we talk about how great FC Dallas is is because of how good Jesus Ferreira and Paul Areola have been. But that trio together, all I can say is woof. Absolute show. Number eight on the list, we have Ismail Kone for CF Montreal. And he is only 20 years old. That one really surprised me because wow. he has been so good in that midfield with Wanyama and really very quickly went from who is this guy to being on a plane to Qatar with Canada in a very short period of time and also is looking to make a a, a jump over to Europe and potentially into the Premier League very, very soon. Next on the list, we have Quado, Quadwo Opoku. Quadwo Opoku from LAFC, 21 years old, and he is quietly having a pretty good year over there because they've got he's being overshadowed by so many big splashy names that they signed but he's got seven goals and three assists um been a very very solid part of that attack for sure next on the list we've got number 10 jack mcglynn for the union and the philly academy strikes again they've got another great young prospect who's been flung in mls action and is doing has had a flawless transition into playing for that squad and uh yeah, since they put him in, his ability to pick out passes from that midfield is really what has fueled uh, their offensive explosion here in the second half of the season. And yeah, that wraps up the, the top 10 of this list. Uh, if you want to see the names that I missed and go look up the rest of the 22, the article is on MLSsoccer.com. They give a nice little blurb about each player and where they came from, how they're playing, that kind of a thing. It's really neat really neat read and I, I do enjoy looking at this list every year just to see who's coming up maybe who we can i might you might want to look at this list to see who we can maybe poach in our expansion draft but uh it'll take some that's some serious that's some coaching to get you. them to <laughs> yeah that's that's for some homework for you guys for you listeners <laughs> go do some research and then come talk to us in the discord we are not accepting extensions and uh, one last thing about MLS, there was the Cali Classico between San Jose and uh, LA Galaxy over the weekend. And uh, one standout thing on this was somebody from San Jose put up a, a banner uh, making fun of the Galaxy as a bunch of clowns. And Chicharito goes ahead and scores a goal. And his celebration's just fantastic. You really need to see the video. I can't describe it, but he puts his hands up above his ears and does a little dance like he's a clown. Going absolutely. It's really good. <laughs> absolutely boo-boo the clown mode. <laughs> and speaking of boo-boo the clown mode, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the USMNT in this international window. You've been do we have these to? segues today? <laughs> do we do we have to talk about this game? Because I I'd rather just put this one in the in the rearview mirror and move on. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, the team feels the same way. I'm sure Berhalter wishes that he didn't have to talk about it. Yeah, that one was garbage. Just can it? <laughs> yeah, it. it uh, I've heard him uh, on a total soccer show call games like this. Uh, quicksand games where things start going bad and everybody tries to make up for it and everybody's like out of position and you guys are doing this too much and you find yourself doing it it's just a quicksand game and this was a quicksand game uh it was a friendly against japan uh aired in the u.s on friday early morning seven o'clock uh seven ten or something like that central time uh, no Christian Pulisic. He was out with a minor knock. And of course, uh, we already knew Eunice Musa and Jedi Robinson were out, not to mention Miles Robinson, who's out for the World Cup. Uh, this was really a lethargic, uninspired performance. Uh, heard uh, one commentator say that it looked like uh, they had spent too much time at Oktoberfest the night before they played this match. Uh, it was 2 0 to Japan. And uh, really, only Matt Turner had a good game. The whole team was bad on this. Uh, Japan was very good. They had a high press, and uh, their midfield play just overwhelmed the U.S. midfield, uh, which is usually a strength, but it was not in this one. Weston McKinney is back to being bad Weston, giving the ball away all the time. Uh, Tyler Adams was in as a single pivot, 
probably a tactical failure needs to be looked at as Japan just swarmed him and he wasn't able to get the ball out of the defensive midfield, couldn't find an outlet. And that is one of his big deficiencies uh, as a player. And just sloppy passing, uh, nobody making runs. You could see the players yelling at people just to somebody get open, you know, somebody move. Uh, It happened over and over and it wasn't just one player. It was many, uh, we had Sam Vines in as what was he left back, never pushed forward in the first half. He did better in the second half at that. Uh, the team was better in the second half, but still not very good. <coughs> uh, Josh Sargent uh, came on for Jesus Ferreira in the second half. At least he gave an outlet for long balls that Ferreira doesn't really give you, and that has a lot to just do with their physical stature. Jordan Morris also came on and used his size and speed. Um, to at least make runs in behind that uh, kept Japan, you know, a little more honest in what they were doing. But it didn't help. Nothing really happened in this one. I will say this, though, um, and the announcers, for those of you that were up at 7.26 in the morning to watch this game, uh, the announcers really made made sure to mention that uh, Japan is uh, arguably a very underrated team in this in the in the FIFA standings because of how their rankings work. Uh, but Japan's a very good team. They very much deserve their spot in the World Cup. And it, I mean, honestly, we were not able to rise to the the occasion. And I think we tried to play down, and it turned into a quicksand game, like you said, because of that. Um, yeah. But you can never count out the 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 Asian Federation teams because. We, we may not talk about them a lot or their leagues, but they really are strong sides all the time, and there there are no easy games against them. Um, but no, a lot of this was really chalked up to the fact that the team came out and played so poorly. Yeah, with the, they did really play well as a team while Japan did. And the thing about Japan is their rise on the international, international stage mirrors pretty much what the U.S. has been. They started making moves at about the same time in the 90s. Um, They have been fairly regular, making the round of 16 like the U.S. has. So, you know, it's a general track, and I would probably group them in the same sort of eight that bounces around after the 16. You know, somewhere from 16 to 24, Japan the U.S. will fill out those spots up and down all over the place. Uh, year in and year out, usually. And like I said, that is a, just a bad performance by the U.S. men's team. Uh, the good thing about it, very worrisome, very worrisome with one friendly left to go, and that'll be uh, Tuesday after you've all heard that, but after uh, after we record as well uh, against Saudi Arabia. We're looking for a lot of these things to be fixed, and they are fixable. A lot of it was just player errors. Uh, a lot of it was spacing. Uh, a lot of it was, you know, people out with injuries and, uh, you know, a chance to look at the tape and uh, see what can be fixed, maybe reshuffle things. Uh, Brendan Aronson was in in the central midfield role. It's not really one of his better ones. He's better on the wing, even though he does play it and play well for Leeds in the central. He's never done it well for the U.S. in a small sample size, albeit. Uh, so we just look for, just look for a better performance. Uh, it's not really what you want going into the World Cup, but you could also look at at least they got this one out of the way. A uh, big sli- a big shovel up the upside the head to the U.S. MNT when they go in the uh, tape room and look at how they performed on that pitch in Dusseldorf. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> things things that the U.S. MNT has in common with Sean <laughs> stepping <laughs> <Sean>. on rakes. <laughs> continuing all right i'm putting an end to this slander i think that's about all we've beat this dead horse to death let's <laughs> let's hope and pray that the next game is better because pulisic and Pepe are both starting or no was that ferrera i'm looking yeah. at the article right now no it is Pepe. pulisic and Pepe are set to start this game i'm hoping for a better result but you'll know before we know and i've got somewhere to go i need to make a donation to the asp PCA very, very quickly. And I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening, if you still are. (laughs) Bye for now.